0: and just like that, folks, you know what? I'm just coming off episode 100 of YWC Football Talk. This is episode 101, and what a better way to kick it off than with some Pat's talk with a good buddy of the show, Pat Lane. Uh, how are we doing tonight, Pat?
1: I'm doing great, Griff. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Uh, happy to be here.
0: No, no problem, no problem. It's always a blast getting to talk to you, again to talk football on Pat's. Um, I wanted to talk fantasy with you, but I think we'll wait to save that for later because the one yeah. big thing I want us to focus on is this whole Mac-Cam controversy because like I've seen people tweet like, support for both guys. Like one guy kind of like you put one guy on a pedestal, you kind of try to bash or bury the other guy. Like I saw a first take today basically saying like, Oh, is it a problem that Belichick hasn't announced it because cam came out and had that little thing in his press conference. But for me, I'm just, I'm that guy where I'm like, look, I'm going to support both guys no matter what direction they go in. Cause that's, that's, that, that's the honest fan thing to do. You shouldn't try to be burying a player on your team unless like they show like, look, they're worth of doing that. I feel like you look for now in camp, Support both guys, and no matter what happens, happens.
1: Right, and that's, I mean, listen, I had an article come out today on Pat's Pulpit, you know, five reasons why Mac Jones should be the starter day one, right? Like, I I think that I'm starting to lean towards Mac being the starter, making sense. But the thing is, is that, you know, there's no need for anybody to crap on, on Cam Newton. Like, there just isn't. The guy... The guy has been the consummate pro since the day that he got here. He's done everything that he can for this team. And honestly, he's eaten a whole bunch of crap and he's done it with a smile on his face. Like he's heard it from the fans, he's heard it from the media, he's heard it from everyone and he just keeps doing what he's doing and the guys in the locker room love him and respond to him. I mean it's just like it's not he's just a good guy and even even the stuff like today, you know, the second practice today, obviously, against Philadelphia. And, you know, Mac runs a play at the end of the game with the end of practice. Goal line situation. Checks out of a play. Checks into a pass play and throws a touchdown to Ossie, Ossie Pumps his fist. And the first thing he does is turn around and celebrate with Cam. Points at Cam like, we've worked on that. Like, him and Mac obviously went through something like that. And then they, like... You know they jumped up in the air and like and you know and like uh celebrated in the air together or whatever right like bumped bodies or whatever bump side whatever the hell the, you know what you know what i'm talking yeah. about jumped up and, him, right? and so it's like one of those things where it's like he is he's a great teammate he's there for everybody like we don't need to shit on him now i think personally i think that i've seen him and i don't i don't know if he's going to bring enough to the table to make the Patriots significantly better. And I feel like for me, the argument, essentially the argument for Mac is that I feel like he's gonna have growing pains no matter when he starts, right? Whether it's this year, whether it's next year, whether it's in two years, it doesn't matter when it happens. Live bullets or live bullets is totally different, right? So when you get out full speed in an NFL game, I'm looking at that saying, okay, I want him to, to have that under, to have that you know behind him essentially. So I want to get those out of the way now, not next year. Like I want to get him out of the way now so that he's better next year than he is. You know, so it's almost like, I don't know. You're not going to win the Super Bowl with cam. I don't think I just, I don't see that happening even with this defense. So if that's the case, well then give Mac as much time as you possibly can. So then next year, when hopefully you're even a little bit better now, next year, Mac is that much better than he will be going into next year. So that's kind of, that's the way I kind of look at it. I don't think that there's a huge difference between the two of them. Now, Belichick may see that differently. It seems like he does see that differently. I just feel like, and, and you know, and Tommy Karn has kind of pointed this out a few times. Like the thing about it is that I thought Mac was going to have to go out and, and, and crush Cam. I just feel like he's consistently been the more accurate quarterback, the more consistent quarterback in camp every single day over the course of time so it's like you know it's like a million little paper cuts where it's like he just keeps being better than him so at a certain point it's like well i don't need to see cam sucks and mac is great it doesn't need to be that it's just like well why are we starting cam if they're the same you know that that's kind of where i feel and i get the running aspect of it i understand all that but it's hard but that's the one thing that i won't tolerate is like we don't need and you said it perfectly like we don't need to like to shoot cam down. There's no need to do that. Like it's unnecessary. Maybe you think Mac is better. That's fine. Maybe you think cam is past his prime. That's fine. But regardless of what you think, like cam's been nothing but a great teammate and a great person since he got here and, and nobody can argue that point. So it's like, there's no need to like crap on him. It just, it's unnecessary.
0: You know, my big thing too is, um, I feel like it's going to be easier. It would be a lot easier for them to put in Mac over Cam instead of putting in Cam if you start with Mac. That's the only thing I feel like because you're just stunting his development if you start with Mac. That's that's my only thing because, look, if Cam goes in by the first few weeks, we're doing like what we, you and I did in our first ever time you came on here last year where we're just airing mm-hmm. grievances and playing therapist to one another. Yeah. It's a little easier if we know, hey, look, Mac's coming in, so you have someone reliable. But at the same time, too, I don't want to see Matt coming in and being that reliever because Cam had a bad outing, like what we saw last year with Jared Stidham. Right. I know you love Stidham.
1: I know you love Stidham. No, well, mine. no, but listen, I mean, Stiddy he, no. Well, it's funny, Rosen got cut today, and I and I said, I tweeted out, I'm like, you know, I would have loved to have seen Rosen and Stidham end up in different situations, and, you know. One thing after another with Stidham. Now, there's a good chance that Stidham still would have sucked, but you know, Spags and I were on Team Stiddy last year. Oh, yeah. Big time. And, you know, I mean, it's what's interesting is that if COVID doesn't happen, Stiddy starts for the Patriots last year. Like, because Cam wouldn't have been available. Cam would have signed somewhere else because he would have been able to work out. People would have seen that he was, like, that he was healthy and they would have said, okay, we'll bring him in. And then Patriots wouldn't have signed any quarterback and City would have started. And it's just so, it's just. It's just funny how things work out like that, and so. Um, but I just see this is the issue with me, right? If you look at the Patriots, so we just just look at the Patriots schedule, right? Yeah, they play the Dolphins at home. Yeah, at the Jets, they play the Saints at home. Then they get the Bucks. Now, I think you kind of pencil in the Bucks as a loss there, and then, by the way, then they go to Houston after that. Okay, so let's say I, I can't imagine Sean Watson. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go with the assumption that he he's not gonna be allowed to play because it would be disgusting if he was. Yeah. So fair, I'm just gonna go fair. with that. Okay. Let's say at worst they should be two and two after those first four games. I, I, I'm sorry, they should be three and two after those first five games. At worst, you're three and two. I don't care how the quarterback's playing. If you're three and two and you're going against the Cowboys, then you have the Jets and Chargers. It's like, well, you could easily be five and two. Or six and two, and Cam could be playing kind of crappy. And still, you could be six and two because you're not playing great teams and you have a really good defense. But at that point, if you're six and two or five and three, you can't make a change at quarterback. No matter what the quarterback play looks like, you're winning. So it's like it becomes very difficult to make that move. I think if Cam's, if Mac starts off the season as the starting quarterback, Cam's on the team because he's too much of a leader in the clubhouse to me to take that back seat. And I think I, that doesn't, I don't want to, that has nothing to do with cam himself. Like, I think that, I think he would be willing to accept a role as a backup. I just think there are guys in the locker room that view him as a good player. Yeah. And, when Mac struggles, because he will as a rookie quarterback or as a, whenever he starts, he's going to struggle at times, right? So when he struggles, there might be guys in the locker room and say, man, shoot, we should roll with Cam. You don't want that. You don't want that. Have Brian Hoyer be his freaking backup. Like you don't need Cam behind him because then the whispers start coming in. Oh, well, what if this guy starts? And what if this guy that? And what if this? You know, like those are the things you don't need. It worked with Brady and Bloodso, because in 01, because Bl- Brady was winning. Like the proof was was there, they were yeah. winning with him, you know. So when by the time Bledsoe came back, it was like, hey man, we're on a roll with this kid. Like we can't now switch quarterbacks again. Like we're all of a sudden on a roll when he's playing pretty well. But if if it had been like Bledsoe was out one week, they would have put Bledsoe back in. Like it, so, yeah. you know that's that's the hard thing where it's kind of like, you know. And I know the Dolphins finished with a decent record last year. I know that, right? They weren't awful, but like that was still kind of a mess. That transition was still a little bit of a mess. So like, I don't want to end up with that here where it's like Cam stinks and now we got to pull him, and it's like this whole thing. So I would just rather make the decision now and then kind of go from there. And then either we're rolling with Mac or we're going with Cam and we'll do some sort of Kansas City thing where Cam plays the first year you know, and Mac plays, you know, week seven or week 18 or whatever the case may be. And then, and then we go from there. I'm just hoping that we don't have the bench cam halfway to the year is what I'm hoping, if that's the case, because really that would be pretty disappointing and a sign that they made the wrong decision, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. And also I was thinking about that the other day, the Brady Bledsoe thing, I because when I'm at work sometimes, I don't know why this happens, random football pop thoughts pop in my head. <laughs> and I said, I'm like, I don't know why I thought this, but I'm like. What if Drew Bledsoe didn't get blown up by Mo Lewis in that game? What, like, what if? Like, who knows where Tom's career goes from there? It's just things like that that always like fascinate me. And like why I say football for me is a 24-7 sport, also to my mind's a very interesting place. But no, you're right. Cause even too, if we say Cam sucks, you put in Mac and then, like, oh, out of nowhere Mac starts to sucks, so you go back to Cam. You don't want that negative cloud hovering over you like what the Dolphins have going into this year where they, you know what, they're probably going to have a competitive football team. Obviously they got Howard to re up with them. Unlike certain quarterbacks who held out for an egregious amount, well, amount of money, if you know, you know. Um, But with the whole Mac and Cam situation, it's, I just don't see Belichick doing that where he does like the whole relief pitcher thing. I could only see it if they're getting a game where they're say, if they're down like 23 to six, but besides that, I can't see him doing that because and for some reason, it's Max Kellerman who loves to point this out. That last year, we're two bad plays away from finishing nine and seven, as opposed to seven and nine. So,
1: right.
0: football is the biggest game of what ifs, and I, I hate it. My I hate it for it. But at the same time, too, I I agree with every single point you made there about the whole quarterback situation. Just because you know, at the end of the day, the carousel is going to continue to roll. It's like it's like the Chicago situation with uh, Dalton and Fields. Right. Obviously, Fields is going to take over, but at that same point, it's going to be that hey when's it gonna happen same thing with san francisco too because the whole trey lance which i heard the announcer say the trey area because it's like oh my god he had this 80 foot bomb i'm just like i want to see him do that in the regular season though so it's all a matter of time but look eventually these quarterbacks in this class are gonna get their chances and the only thing i want to add is i don't want everyone to come out and say quickly that this is going to be the greatest quarterback class of all time because we still have to pay respect to 1983. I know I'm very, that's a very outdated reference for myself. And I know that's most, most of those guys played when you were a child, but even I know that's
1: still no, the best I mean, quarterback
0: class of all time.
1: No, I mean, it's, it's, you're not, I mean, it's not even close. It's not even close right now. And look at this quarterback class could be, could be all time for sure. But to beat 83, I mean, you're talking about some of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game were drafted in 83. So like, all famers. You know, it's hard to you know to get and Tony Eastman, of course, but uh, but it's hard, it's hard to get to be like okay, it, we played one preseason game, by the way. Like let's let's just pump the brakes a little bit here, you know. Like, look, I think Matt can be good. I mean, here's the difference for me, right? A guy like Fields and a guy like Lance, it's going to be easier for them to be good right away. Because they can extend plays, they can move in the pocket, they can run outside, now all of a sudden guys get open because they have an extra second or two. Mac doesn't have that luxury, right? And, and my thought was, okay, let him sit a year so we can learn the offense and understand what's going on. I just feel like he has a grasp of what's happening. He's on the field, he's directing guys, he's getting people. Be- there was one, one moment in practice, and it was subtle, but there's one moment in practice where like he's like, all right, let's get in the huddle. And, like, guys are, like, kind of walking the huddle. And he's like, get the hell in the huddle. And people are like, all right. When we, like, that moment, like, it's not much. But, like, he's a rookie quarterback. He's learning. He's figuring things out. And he's not happy that guys are being lackadaisical getting back in the huddle. And he's like, get the hell in the huddle. Let's go. And, like, that's a moment. That's a Brady moment to me. Like, that's something that that veteran quarterbacks do. You don't see that a lot with rookie quarterbacks. And he has that, like, swagger that he plays with. But he's also, he gets to the line, he sees something, he checks out of it. He sees this, he understands what's going on. And that stuff that like, I just think he's so far ahead of where I thought he was going to be. He came in and they've, they've thrown everything at him. They've thrown everything at him. They've tried different things. They show him different things. They put him in these uncomfortable situations. And he just comes through every single time. And, you know, I was impressed with, and one of the things I wrote about in the article is that, Okay, first day of full pads practice. He was brutal. He was terrible. I walked out of that practice and said, "He's not ready. He's just, he's not ready. He just he just can't do it." The next two days were his two best days of practice. He just he came back out on Wednesday and he fixed the issues and he was more accurate and he was more on time and he was understanding things. He was reading things. And then Thursday they were back in full pads and he was doing. He had a better day than he did on Wednesday. So like he's building off of that adversity. You so saw the same thing again happen today. Yesterday, struggled. You know, f- first uh, first practice against the uh, against the uh, Eagles, and he looked yeah, he looked okay, but he had a tough day. Comes out today, threw a pick in, in seven on sevens, and then has eleven straight eleven straight completions in eleven on eleven. So like he, so now he's understanding what's going on, diagnose things, he's learning as he goes. That's the type of stuff that like you know, getting through that adversity and learning in challenging moments like that, that's the stuff that you can't teach. That's stuff that like, you know, guys don't, some guys don't ever get that. And to have a guy that can pick that up as a rookie. I mean, that's that to me, that impressed me. So that's why I'm like, okay, I feel like he could start. Now, will he start? I don't know. And ultimately, if Bill decides to go with Cam, I'm going to root my ass off for Cam because he's going to be my starting quarterback. And I don't care if my take is that, is that mac would have been a better quarterback it doesn't matter to me I, like i want the Patriots to win the super bowl this year i don't care whether cam newton's the quarterback or mac jones is the quarterback it doesn't matter and if someone out there is sitting there saying i want mac as a story i'm gonna be, i'm gonna pout about it and bitch about it until they put mac jones in like what are you doing what you I, that's just that's stupid like you know i'm not on talk radio i'm not i'm not obsessed with my take right my take is that is that i feel like mac is there okay but i but so what, if, if they go with cam and cam balls out this year and they do awesome because cam, you know, brings them to that next level. Great. I was wrong that he should have been the starter. And then I just hope that next year, Matt comes in and he dominates. And then it's like, okay, then I was right. And they were right. Like whatever, you know? So it's, but like to, to root against a player on your team because of a take, it is just is stupid and no one should do that. And it's just like, that's. That's what frustrates me because you see that in on Twitter, you see that you know people talking like that, and it's like just enough with the nonsense.
0: Look, i I'm, I know you're not your name's not Felger, so we have that. <laughs> I know I don't listen, That's the reason why I like listening to you guys and stuff like that because you guys have the honest takes. I feel like with the radio takes, a lot of the times it's just general biased where you purposely say it to piss people off. Like I feel yep. like, for example, like we see Skip Bayless do it. We do Colin Coward does it. Max Kellerman does it. Mike Greenberg to an extent, but um, yep. that's just part of my whole Mike, non-Mike Green bias. I'm not really a fan of this, but <laughs> that's just the whole thing. Look, you don't care how you get to a championship. You just want to win. That's the thing. That's what people have to recognize. Look, I know football is a player sport, and also, too, I feel like football is a one, one sport where the hot takes are the like the craziest or where, look, it's always overreaction. This is overreaction season right now. I feel like right. after free agency, that, with that weird period between free agency and the draft, after the draft to like mini camps and stuff. And now until the regular season starts, it's just going to be overreactions. Cause even say, say if Matt Jones is a starter week, one goes out there and throws, let's just say 35 for 38, like 400 yards and like three touchdowns and like one rushing. Everyone's going to be like, Oh, this guy's great. He's going to win. Like he's going to be like the first ever uh, rookie of the offensive rookie of the year first and uh, MVP. It's just that's right. that's the thing about football that makes this game so enjoyable is just the crazy takes that come along with it. And you and I are just here to look have a civilized conversation and at the same time too we we basically feed off each other and we agree on the same points.
1: Right. I just think, you know, it, it's look, I got no problem with the people that that have the hot takes but like at least admit it. Right. Don't yeah. don't sit there and tell me that that's your opinion. That you know like you're, that you're being honest about it, right? Yeah, I mean that's dude he had, he had what friggin uh, what's his face? Uh, Wilson over Lawrence, Kellen Mond, right. Didn't he have, Ke- Oh, Wilson over Lawrence. And then he had Kellen Mond as his third quarterback. And I was like, bro, just stop it. Like nobody believes that nobody believes that you really think Kellen Mond is better than Justin Fields. You just, it, that's stupid. It's, it's, it's a dumb take. And nobody agreed with that. And guess what? Nobody agreed with it. Like it just, that's the way it goes. You just, yeah, man, come on, man. Like, it just doesn't make sense, and, and Mon can make throws great, but like, I, it's it's so frustrating. But again, he does it because then we talk about him. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, and that's and that's really what it comes down to. And people talk about like, how do you separate? How do you differentiate yourself? And how do you? And now we're getting into like you know the the nitty gritty about media and everything else. It's like how do you separate yourself? And a lot of people do it by throwing out hot takes like that because if I say something crazy enough. I'm going to get more clicks and more views and people are going to talk about me more because I said something ridiculous and people are like, this guy's an idiot. And it's like, well, yeah, you can discount me, but you're talking about me. So it doesn't really matter, you know? And so like, that's just, and it happens with every sport it happens all over the place, but it's like, yeah, okay. Like, yeah, you might think I'm an idiot, but you're talking about me, aren't you? And, and, you know, and that's, it's, it's frustrating, but that's unfortunately the world that we live in.
0: It, it's like if we came out here and said that look, Nikhil Harry's gonna have a better season than Tyreek Hill, and I firmly stand on that belief and that Nikhil's not gonna get traded. It's just like one of those things where it's just like um it's like that. But even though with Chris too, and Chris is a guy, actually, I unfortunately I listen to him daily because I like pro football talk, but that's yeah. just me. But at the same time, too, he basically I don't view it as like hot takes. I feel like he just throws out like a crazy, like like it's like he kind of like has a Stick a dynamite in his hand, he's just not expecting it to blow up in his face. That's what, because he, if he's right, he's right, but if he's wrong, he's dead wrong. Because I think it was a couple of years ago where he had Josh Allen as a better quarterback and as his top quarterback in the 2018 draft. I think it was him and Lamar, which I think faced a lot of criticism. So that's why I feel like he always relates to the craziness of his takes, where it's, look, if I'm going to say this one thing right, I'm going to just continue on it to throw crap out there and hope that it sticks to the wall. I know I've said many metaphors, but the one I've said now, the crap sticking to the wall thing, I think works a lot better than the stick of dynamite one. That's just me. right?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, but that's it, right? If you say enough crazy stuff, you're going to be right eventually. I mean, if, yeah. if, you, if you rank everything, <laughs> right, you're going to get one of them right. Yeah. You know, like you, you're going to get one of them right. And so it's like, you know, oh, yeah, right. I got that right. I still don't believe it. I personally still don't believe in Lamar Jackson. I don't trust him. I don't either. Now, the thing is, is that he's, he's a weapon. He's an absolute weapon running the ball and when the threat of the run is so good i think that's what helps him in the past but but you know it's whatever uh, you know I, I think it's that's a guy that's so hard because it's like you can't they're gonna have to pay him a ton of money and they can't yes. let him walk they're gonna have to pay him a ton of money like you have to but then it's like well then you got to keep the rest of the team around him so it just becomes more difficult but um you know but anyway but we'll see i mean look i my thing is this right you come back to the Patriots. For me, I don't care who the quarterback is. I feel like the defense, assuming they bring Gilmore in, assuming they get Gilmore back in, which by the way, timetable for his injury should bring him back about now. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that he's back at practice next week. Now, will he practice, you know, against the Giants? Absolutely not. Will he play against the Giants? Absolutely not. But I'm hoping that he's back at practice. With a new contract next week. That's what I'm hoping. There's no reason not to. There's no reason not to. Like, they need to get it done. They need to have him at practice. He needs to be playing every game because, and people talk, you know, people are like, well, they have no depth at outside corner without Gilmore. It's like, well, yeah, Gilmore's like the best freaking player in the league. What the hell are you talking about? Like, he's one of the best cover corners in the league. They don't have a lot of depth behind him because, like, they have a really good number one and a really good number two. You, you can't afford to have depth behind those two guys because they're both really good. So it's like, you know, yeah, they don't have a ton of outside corner, but they have two excellent outside corners. So if those guys are both healthy and both playing, you have arguably the best combination in football on the outside. And so, like, you know, it is, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, but uh, it would be inexcusable for Belichick to go out and spend this much money in, in free agency and kind of reload. And then not pay Gilmore, it would just be it'll be stupid, you know, really dumb for them to not to not make that move.
0: He also kind of won an award two years ago for being the best defensive player. In the oh league. yeah, that too. Saying, yeah, that too. Just just, yeah. just saying. That's why I wanted to kind of do the like the fun whisper thing for the people viewing <laughs> on YouTube. But I, I I agree with you. I think look, he's not going to practice against the Giants, which I still find interesting. The fact that the practices are in Foxborough, yet the games in East Rutherford. But
1: yeah, I don't true. know what. I don't know if it's a, I don't know what it is. I, I wonder if it's like a maybe the Jets are holding joint practices at the same time, or maybe the Giants have joint practices at home this week, and so they can't. I, I don't. I have no clue why they're doing it. I'm not complaining because I'll be able to go, but <laughs> um, but I have no idea why they're doing it.
0: Um, I don't know either. But it's just one of those things. Um, but yeah, no, you're right because like they can't neglect the especially the biggest assets in the defense. Because even you're right too. It's like oh, he's the best one, but yeah, he's one of the top, not just corners and second and DBs in the league. He's one of the top defensive players in the league. Right, But on the defensive front, I got to bring this up because I've not slow. I thought it was like a slow falling off, but it's a quick falling in love. And that's the guy on the front who's wearing number nine, because Jesus Christ, that man. run defense is going to be so much better this year for all those holes and exposures that were last year. <laughs> number nine's got it plugged up. Matthew Judon, man,
1: man, he looks like so much fun. And that's, it's funny because, they signed him, and everyone was like, Bill Belichick went out and got a, a guy that's strictly a pass rusher. And I think we said it on the show, like, right when it happened, we're like, mm, I don't think so. Like, no chance that he no. spent that much money on a guy that's just a pass rusher. And now you see it that he used that explosiveness and, and, and his physical tools to be a really good run stuff or two. And so they're going to they're gonna be so much improved against the run. You got Jude on, High Towers back. Bentley's had a phenomenal camp, yeah. And and again, and listen, Bentley's Bentley's one of my guys. I freaking love his stories. Unbelievable. He was a three-year captain at Purdue. Uh, was homeless for for a time when he was at Purdue, like or when he was in high school. I'm sorry. Like, just the story behind him is amazing. And he came in here, and last year was asked to do something that he couldn't do. He, he's not. He can't play the high tower role. He just can't do that. He's just not. That's not who he is. And so now he's not in that role anymore, and he's thriving. And by the way, the same thing happened to Kyle Van Noy when everyone thought Kyle Van Noy sucked because Hightower was hurt and Van Noy was in his spot and he couldn't do it. That's not his role. And then Hightower came back, and all of a sudden Van Noy went to his spot, and it was like oh, this guy's pretty good, you know, yeah. like because yeah, he's playing in the role that he needs to be playing in. And, and Bentley's that same way where he's been much better in pass coverage in in camp, but he also I think the read and react there is there for him. So. I like him a lot, again. But Judon, man, he brings he and and Uche like they have they just have so much. They have so many guys up front on the edge. Like it's gonna be so much fun to watch these guys go to work. And by the way, Chase Winovich just showed up to practice, so we haven't even seen him out there. So you talk about you throw on the field Judon, Uche, Winovich, Hightower all at the same time, and it's like okay. Which guy's blitzing? Who's coming after the quarterback? Where are we going to go? Like, man. And by the way, Ronnie Perkins has looked like a beast, too. And so, you know, it's just, it's over and over and over again. And this front seven, man, they're going to have a million guys to throw at it, a ton of depth, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And you're right. I think Judon might be the guy that, that we all like the most, you know?
0: You know, and because like, I remember, I was always telling you I was thinking about getting an Andrews or a Henry jersey. Like I may have to get it just because the number. <laughs> I, I love the single digits, yeah. like, single digit pass rusher jersey number, and even too. I love the fact you brought up because I. I'm not saying I expect a big year out of him, but I'm expecting him to show improvements from year mm-hmm. one because look, he's going to be in a role that's more comfortable and more suited for him. He's not going to be fed to the wolves, kind of like we saw with uh, Bentley as well last year. Yeah, right? with Bentley. And- and even to Winovich coming back, not just the long hair, rocking a full beard, looking like a fucking caveman out there. Just <laughs> between that and the offensive line, it's going to be big. And then I want to get into the fantasy point quickly because I don't need I think people need much explanation to it. But man, go get Damian Harris when you can because he's going to. He's not a running back. You have to get in the first few rounds. He's going to be there later, but he is someone I think you should have on your team. And one other point I want to make to you before we go back to there was the Ramondre-Stevens touchdown from Thursday. You know, yep. you said Cam's a great teammate. There was one thing I noticed. I see him running. Who do I see running down the sideline? Is Cam Newton the whole way for that 95-yard score. So just a, another thing. Because Cam, can even if he doesn't start, you know what? He's going to be that glue guy.
1: Right. No, it's true. And that's – look, man, that Stevenson run was so much fun. That was that was coming towards our end zone, me and Keegan, where Keegan came down and sat with me. Keegan and his girlfriend came down and sat with me because there was a bunch oh, of seats nice. there and, and uh, running right towards us. It's so it's so much fun. And uh, and you're right. Cam was there. Damien Harris is right there. But like half yeah. the team was in the end zone celebrating, which was pretty cool. But, you know, on the fantasy point, Damien yeah. Harris is a guy that, listen, if you live in New England and you're playing with a bunch of Patriots fans, he's going to go <laughs> earlier than you want. Yeah. And, I, and I, he's not worth a fifth round pick, but he's going in the eighth, ninth round right now. I mean, I was going
0: to say oh, that. I was going to say,
1: eighth Like he, he right now, you can get him as an RB3. And to me, that's an insane value to get a guy like that as your third running back when you've already drafted two stud running backs, two good wide receivers, and maybe even a quarterback or a tight end that you're happy with. Now you're getting, now, now you're drafting Damian Harris to be a flex guy, right? He's not even starting a running back spot. So, you know, that the value there I think is awesome for him. I love Johnu and Hunter Henry this year. I like Johnu better than I like Hunter Henry in fantasy. I'm trying to like I'm trying to trade for him and draft him in every single league I'm in because <laughs> he's just like he's so good. Like I was in the Scott, I'm in the Scott Fish Bowl this year. Yeah. And uh and I was so I'm in the ninth round and it was it's tight end premium. So um the way it works, half point PPR and it's also half point per first down. But for tight ends, it's a full point for BPR, full point per reception, and a full point for first downs. So I love John when I'm high on John him. So I was drafting, I was drafting from the from the three spot, but I had the tenth pick in the ninth round. They did a third round reverse, the whole thing. Anyways, I'm drafting Yeah, exactly. They did a third round reversal. So the third round you flip it flips. So it becomes like the third round looks like the second round, and then you okay. rotate. So it's like I went it's like I, I started with the third pick. And they I ended up with the tenth pick. So, anyways, gotcha, gotcha. So, where I'm at nine ten, drafting at nine ten. The girls at nine nine. She drafts John at nine nine, and I was like devastated because that was my pick nine ten. I was drafting John who at, at at especially with the tight end premium. I love John this year. I think he's going to get a ton of work. They're going to throw him. He's going to get carries out of the backfield. So they're going to be throwing him a million times. He's going to get a ton of targets this year. And Hunter Henry is going to be kind of that Gronk type tight end where they can, he's going to run a ton of seam routes. He's going to be open in in the, uh, in the red zone. Like he's going to get a lot of that work. So I like both of them to finish as, as you know, tight end ones, top 10 to 12 tight ends this year. Um, But like, you know, the fantasy stuff is, is interesting because you see, and it's like, I like, I love Jacoby Myers this year, but it's like, he's a little limited. Like he's not going to catch, he's not, he's not going to be Edelman. He's not going to catch 15 ball, you know, 10 balls a game, but like, it wouldn't surprise me if if you know Jacoby Myers finishes the ball with finishes the year with 85 catches. Like it really wouldn't surprise me if that happened. So the where he's going right I and mean, he's barely even getting drafted in leagues right now. Like where he's going right now, he's a guy that you can stick on your bench that no one ever thinks about that he can be a spot starter for you in places because he does well. Or potentially even a trade, you know, a trade chip if if which you know wide receiver's gonna get hurt. If a wide receiver gets hurt, all of a sudden, hey. I get this guy right here and you know, I can get something back for him. So I like, I like some of those guys, but Harris is the big one. Like you said, like, man, he's just, they're going to feed him. Be careful with Stevenson because I still think he probably gets red this year. There's yeah. just too many guys like this. You got Harris. You got Sony. You got JJ Taylor. You got James white. Yeah, That's four running backs. Like he's the fifth running back on a team that they're going to run a ton. Don't get me wrong. But like, like when are you gonna put him out there? Like that's the hard part is like when does he go out there? And even if he does go out there, how many carries can he really get if you got four guys in front of him? You know, like that's that's what becomes difficult for me. So I look at it and think he's probably gonna he's probably gonna be treated a little bit like Damian Harris was his rookie year, like James White was his rookie year, like most running backs in New England are outside of Sony Michelle, their rookie year, right? So that's what I expect of him, unless Sony gets moved before training camp, which is a possibility, but he's got some juice left in his legs, man. Sony looks so much better since he came back from injury last year. I'd love to see him back on this team because him between him and Harris, you got two solid running backs on a team that's going to want to run the ball 500 times. You need that.
0: No, no, 100%. You're right, because. Look, you have the two running backs that are solid there, but the only way I can see Stevenson get really getting in is like in those short yardage situations. You know, kind of like what I've seen Minnesota do in the past with Dalvin Cook and Mackenzie. Al- I was trying is it Mackenzie Alexander? I'm trying to remember. No, remember. Alexander Madison. Alexander Madison. Uh, Mackenzie Alexander has a DV. My bad. So like you'd see Madison get those short yardage plays, which I know right. will cost Cook like in those because I know Cook yeah. would have a lot of games where he goes crazy. But then there's those moments where you want Cook to get the touchdown, he doesn't, and uh, Madison comes in, gets a touchdown, and then everyone's pissed. I can see Stevenson in that kind of role, but besides mm-hmm. that, I like may or not, but like for the red zone carries, but more or less, say if it's like three and one, and like you need just that, like like right. that, like that bell cow to come in, kind of like what we saw with blunt force trauma so many right. time back in the day. But no, I agree with you completely with the Stevenson thing. Because even too, you're gonna have a mix of like Sony and James catching out of the backfield. Who knows where those guys are next year? But like you said, I hope. I think more than likely in 22, James does move on, but we said the same thing last year and he's still back. So it's all a big wait and see, but you know what? For those of you who don't expect it, Damian Harris, he's going to be fun to watch. He's short, but the guy can move. He's strong. And also the other thing I love too about this team is the fact that like they're reposting because Damian Harris is a good example of this. Reposting photos of other guys' Instagrams from the teams onto their story to kind of show those guys exposure to Kendrick Bourne does it as well, which, he could be good for fantasy too, but he's going to be a fan favorite very quickly. He's oh, yeah. already a guy that I've already, I've already attached myself to is Kendrick Bourne. I think he's going to have a big year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Him and – I think him and Myers together are the Edelman replacement. You can't replace Julian Edelman with one guy, but you can try to replace him with two guys, and I think that's going to be Myers and Bourne. And like you said, man, he's so much fun to watch. He's a great teammate. All the guys love him. Like you could just see you could just see him out there and how, how much he busts his butt when he's out there. Like, you know, everyone already likes Bourne. And I think, you know, again, is he going to put up huge numbers? No, but he's a guy that's going to be important to the team, I think, moving forward. And so I'm excited. Look, they went from having some of the worst weapons in the NFL last year to having two legitimate tight ends who haven't been able to stay healthy. So we'll see what happens. You know, and listen, I know they've already been dinged up a little bit in camp, right? But what everyone's got to understand is that if this were a regular week, Johnu and Hunter Henry would be playing on Sunday, right? Like, yeah. yeah, they're dinged up, but like, they're only not going in because it's preseason and they don't need them to get hurt. You know what I mean? Like, that's not, they'd be playing if it was a regular season game. So yeah, they're a little bit dinged up, but they're fine. Overall, it's just like, yeah, we don't need to like, we don't need to push them too much. So um, you know, so we'll see. But you 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 bring in those two guys, you bring in Aguilar, who to me has been the best receiver on the field pretty much every single day he's been out there. I mean, he yeah. shows now he's had some drops, but he shows that he can he can really play. And then you got Jacoby, you got Bourne, Nikhil Harry, and Keegan and I have going back and forth on this like he should have 30 targets tomorrow. Like Thursday night, just throw the bottom on every single play. Like why not? Like, because you, we see it. We see it in practice every freaking day. Every day, all you hear is, oh, one-on-ones. Well, no, Harry's winning every single one-on-one. Well, it's like, well, why aren't we throwing him the freaking ball? Like, if it's man coverage and it's one-on-one, just throw it up and see what happens. Like, it just doesn't make – because it, this is the thing for me, and this is what Keegan and I have talked about. Like, it's preseason. It doesn't matter if you win or lose. It doesn't matter. Just freaking throw it up to him and see if you could. Because if he does it consistently enough, then it's like, well, maybe we can rely on him to actually do that. Be like, well, he doesn't have separation. It's like, well, watch his college tape. He didn't have separation in college either. He caught all those passes. Like, this is what he does. He doesn't need separation to to be effective. So throw him the ball when he's covered and see what happens. It's just like, it drives me insane. And people, like what happens is people have decided already and they've said, no, he sucks. So, like, we're done. You know, it's just like, well, he hasn't been given an opportunity. They just don't throw to him. And they're like, well, he's not open. And it's like, okay, fine. Yep. No, that's that's it. He's not open. It's just, it's so frustrating to go back and forth with people about Nikhil because, and look, part of it is he, is he was a first round pick and he was drafted over AJ Brown and DK Metcalf. Should that have happened? Absolutely not. No sane person would have ever drafted Nikhil Harry over DK Metcalf or AJ Brown. And yet the Patriots did it. Why did they do it? I have no idea. They screwed up royally. That's definitely true. Like, I will 100% admit that. But he's on the team. Like, yeah. at least try to make it work. And, and, and Keegan said this on our show last week. You're doing a disservice to not only Nikhil Harry, but your team, if you're not throwing the ball. Because you're not, at, you're not showing what he can do. Because at the very least, try to trade him and get something for him. And if he's out there dominating, uh, you know, in the preseason, well, then maybe someone's like, shoot, we could use that. We'll trade you a fifth-round pick for him. So you at least get something for him. People have seen nothing from him in a year and a half. So it's like, well, why would I give up anything for this bum? You know, so it's just like you're doing a disservice to your team. You're doing a disservice to him. Just throw him the freaking ball. Drives me insane.
0: But, no, I love your point where it's like, look, I understand it's a preseason, but you get him targets. Look. You got to get him the ball because you just can't go off past. Some, oh, yeah, he had a first bat two years. And all of a sudden, no, oh, well, he sucks. He sucks. We're not going to change our opinion on him. He's got to be an all an opinion change on him. There's so many players. It's like one player that I actually had to go back and forth on, which today, my opinion of him changed because he shaved. But Travis Kelsey, I love when people go, oh, why wasn't he drafted in the uh, first round One in that 2013 draft? He was drafted in the fifth round, I believe. It's because you don't know what they're – especially the tight end position. You don't know what they're going to be. Same thing with George Kittle too. George Kittle was a fifth-round draft pick. They took a flyer on. There was a guy – I always remember this. John Lynch and Kyle Shannon were dead set on a guy in the fourth round. I don't even think he's in the league anymore. I don't even remember his name. Fifth round, they took a chance on George Kittle. And look, George Kittle is one of the best tight ends in the league right now. So that's the thing with it. you got to give these guys chances. you got to give them time to develop. It's even too – Like When you're saying the whole, you just got to get him the ball. Look at last year's Jets game, the final game of the year. Devin Asiasi caught that beautiful floater from Cam. Why? Because you got him the ball, even though that game does kind of irk me because it's like, where was this two months ago? Where was this in the middle of November? But you know what? The fact that it showed was just a positive sign going forward. And also a reminder, too, that the Patriots are undefeated in the year 2021. So we're technically 1-0 right now. But that's the whole thing. You're right. you just got to get him the ball. If you don't get him the ball, even though it's preseason, you don't know what you're going to get. Because if they trade him and he ends up balling out, look, Belichick looks like an even bigger idiot than drafting him over A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf. That That's just the only thing I want to throw out there. So if you give him chances to succeed and then eventually, look, you might tr- increase his trade value by a little bit. And at the same time, too, even though you're getting rid of him, you know, look, hey, for sure it didn't work out here, even right. if there, you see that room
1: for improvement. Right. Or you say, you know what? This guy might be good in the goal line. Maybe we'll use that. Like, it just, that's the stuff that drives me nuts. But, you know, it is what it is. By the way, one more guy, wide receiver, Christian Wilkinson. Listen, I told the guy, I told him. Number 17. wear 17. What the hell are you doing, man? And he started out camp so well. And he's got the dropsies. He's been dropping passes every. Like, he drops multiple passes every single practice, and you just can't have that, man. Like you just can't have. You can't make the team if you keep dropping passes. Even if you're open, it doesn't matter. That's why Gunner still wasn't still wasn't a wide receiver because he can't catch the freaking ball. No, he can't. Turns out to be an all pro all pro returner, which is great, but he can't catch the ball, which is why he's in a receiver yet. And so, like, you know, will they keep Wilkinson? I mean, I don't know. I guess maybe. But, like, man, it, you know, it's awfully tough to justify when he just can't catch the ball.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, look, you you basically, football's a sport. You have to sell yourself. Obviously, it's a 53-man team. Right. But you, for those bubble players, you've got to give yourself a reason. Hey, why should we keep you? That's that's all he's got to do. If you can go out there and start making catches, because the more you drop, the more, I, I don't, I, it's got to be a big mental thing where you realize, hey, I keep doing this. They're not going to keep me around. You have to give them a reason to keep you around. Look at, like, like you're right, Jacoby Myers, Gunnar Olszewski. I think I remember I saw it a couple days ago where someone said, like, the Patriots released someone that got picked up by Houston that they're like, oh, I guess the Patriots are keeping Gunnar Olszewski. And then basically every Patriots fan jumped on it being like, yeah, it worked out pretty well. He's kind of yeah. a uh, you know, awesome. first-team all-pro, like, no, no big deal. Like, I know yeah. it's special teams, but still, like, because – that's the other thing I got to point out, too, is my – I know Edelman, there was some of the Hall of Fame takes that came out, and people were yeah. saying, like, oh, I don't know, but I still will say this, that whenever Matthew Slater retires, I will die on that hill of him belonging in Cannes. That's that's he, an easy, easy. Well,
1: thing. and this is the thing with that, right? The argument against guys like Vince, which is stupid. It's a dumb argument against Vince, but the, Walker, the argument against about- – I know, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know it's your tweet. I had to say it, That tweet blew up today. But you're right. You're right. Yeah. Three. I mean, that's the thing. Three career picks as a nose tackle is outlandish. But nevertheless, uh, and in, like, two of them were, like, he literally dropped into coverage. It wasn't like the ball just got tipped and it landed in his arms. Like, he dropped into coverage and picked the guy off. But I think the uh, Chargers one was like that. Oh, so good. Oh, it was yeah. like a tip throw. He tipped it himself and then caught it. it was amazing. Yeah, the 2011 one. Uh, and, and then ran down the field. Um, but, you know, Slater, you know, you can make the argument against Edelman because he doesn't have the Pro Bowls. He doesn't have the All-Pros, right? Yeah. Slater has that. Slater's in the Pro Bowl every freaking year. He's the best special teams player of this era. He is the best. He is Don Beebe, right? And you could argue that he's even better than Don Beebe was. So it's like he deserves it. Don Beebe deserves it too, but but he deserves it. He's that good, you know? And so, like, to me, man, I I, – you said it, like, he deserves it. He should be in the yep. Hall of Fame. You know, and so we'll see. And by the way, if it happens, they'd be the first father-son in the Hall of Fame, which would be pretty dope. Although, no yeah. way. Is Archie in the Hall of Fame? Archie? Yeah, man, Mast- I'm
0: pretty sure. Uh, you know what? I'm going to pull out my phone. I'm going to... Well, I he's don't have a statistician, what? but I am Googling that because... Somebody I'm said... I'm pretty sure he is because everyone makes the uh argument that once Eli's time is up, that he's going to... Obviously, Eli has the two Super Bowls, but if you look at his career post those Super Bowls... Uh, it's pretty – it's not the best uh, – let's see, no. Two-time Pro Bowler, Saints Ring of Honor, Saints Hall of Fame, SEC Player of the Year, first-team All-American, first-team so
1: All-SEC. His
0: number's go. retired by Ole Miss. He's in the College Football Hall of Fame. He's not – so he's in Atlanta. He's not in um, – he didn't have Andre the Giant knocking on his door. So.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, well, by the way, Eli deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I, listen, yeah. two games. It doesn't matter, man. Two games. It's enough, and I, the rest of his the rest of his career, he's mediocre at best. But it doesn't matter, dude. Like
0: he beat one of the wins. greatest teams, two of the greatest and teams that, in NFL history twice.
1: Yeah, not only does he have that, not only does he have those two wins, he has the second most fourth quarter game tying touchdown drives in Super Bowl history. Brady has the most, and he True. has three.
0: That so painful. You just made my night. You just made my night even worse. Like, oh, <laughs> the only thing I could think of to make it better was that article that I have to go read on Pulpit about the uh, twenty-eight point three reasons why to watch that Atlanta Falcons special.
1: Oh my I God! Know, I
0: don't know if you see the road that are. I didn't someone see else. that. Yeah.
1: Freaking burned. It must have been Baron. That's so amazing. Probably. I didn't see that.
0: Yeah, which by I the did. way, first team. I uh, got. To, I I actually have to send props out to the Atlanta Falcons because they're the first team in the NFL, hundred percent fully vaccinated yeah there uh, which I think a number may drop after cuts and everything are done, but you know what? The fact that they got there shows that, look, it can be done. so hopefully hopefully more and more players get it because you're eventually gonna start to realize who is and who isn't by guys who are wearing masks and stuff like that,
1: right, right, yeah, yeah. so and which is good. i I just think I think it's important um, I think it's important that they get it done, you know, like I think that that's really important. And so uh, kudos to them. For, for all being vaccinated and uh you know and we'll see hopefully hopefully it goes more towards that I mean you saw Vegas come out um and say that you can't go to the games unless you're vaccinated. Um you know and so you know I'm all for it. I'm all for it. You know, you wanna you want to do that to I'm I'm down. I'm down for it. You know, if you want to say whatever, like I'm a teacher, so we're talking about going back to school and it's like you know, the kids going to wear masks, the teachers have to wear masks the whole thing. So it's like honestly You want to make sure everyone gets vaccinated? Say it. Hey, you got to be vaccinated to come in. And I got no problem with that. And people aren't going to like it. And people might not, you know, are going to be, whatever, dude. You want to go see the Patriots get vaccinated? It's it's easy. That's something. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's not challenging. You want to get it done, get it done. But if you don't care, then, hey, that's fine. You can choose whatever you want to do. But if the NFL, which is a private company, says that you have to be vaccinated to come in, you got to be vaccinated to go in. It's that simple. Yeah, nope.
0: because they're, they're going to want to do everything they can to, you know what, have all 32 stadiums full for the whole season. They don't want to eventually have, hey, say, for example, SoFi Stadium or Allegiant Stadium in Vegas. That's why I feel like Vegas has to do it. You don't want those stadiums going from full and slowly decreasing in attendance because we saw right. it last year where it made a huge difference for a lot of those teams were oh, like, yeah. look at New England where. The only times Patriot fans got to see their team play was in like Houston, Miami, and I think yeah, in Kansas city, those three games were it. Besides that, I can't mm-hmm. think of anyone else who allowed, allowed for have this. So yeah. If other, te- other teams want to hop on board with it. Fine. Be my guest because the only other thing with fantasy that kind of concerns me is drafting players with who aren't vaccinated because you don't know, Hey, if they get it, could it potentially kind of sewer your roster in a way where if there's a week you need to get a win Body test positive. He's out. Right. Kind of. It kind of puts you in a puts you in a bit of a bind. So it's one of those, just one of those, yeah, like, backing tough. my mind things I've always had. It's
1: hard to know. Yeah. I mean, you don't know who's vaccinated or not, right? So it's like, it's almost like, you know, I, I don't want to say don't worry about it, but yeah, it's. But that that is something that's like, okay, I find out that this guy isn't vaccinated. Like, yeah, if I'm choosing between two players, I might choose the other player because I know that you know he's more likely to play. Yep. On a week-to-week basis, just because you know, even if he doesn't test positive, even if just close contact, and it happens on Saturday, well, guess what? You can't play because you know you got to wait. So look at the Denver um, situation, right? Right. So, but yeah, it's 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 tough. I mean, look, you know, people have their own opinions on and everything else, but if the NFL decides to do that, then they decide to do that, and look, at, they did that with the coaches, and the Patriots had to fire a coach, and and the Vikings had to fire a coach too, and just like, hey, if that's you can choose to make that decision, but if you choose to make that decision, you got to live with the consequences, and that's the way it goes, you know. And so, you know, if if you want to go see a Raiders game and you don't want to get vaccinated, well, you can't go see a Raiders game. If you want to go see him get vaccinated. It's it's not that hard, you know. Like so, um, it just kind of is what it is, and and you know, people are going to hate it and people are going to argue about it, but it's like I don't want to get into the whole argument thing. I'm not even you know, but it's like hey, if that's what they decide, then you don't really have a choice, you know.
0: Exactly, because even here, like I know this is not football related, but uh, MLSC who owns the leaves and Raptors announced today saying, "Look, all of uh, staff, event staff, employees of the building, fans you either have to have a ne- you either have to be fully vaccinated and show proof, or you have to show a negative test to get in." Right. And also, too, they did the same thing too as for like teachers and healthcare workers here, where um, you either have to be fully vaccinated, or if you aren't, you have to get regularly tested and take a course on basically, I'm pretty sure it's why you have to get vaccinated, but it's one of those things now where it's like, look, everything in the world, it's kind of getting back to a normal, but at the same time too, we can't let our guard down. So eventually if the NFL comes in and says, Hey, where maybe you have to wear a mask when you're in the concourse or when you're in the washroom or if you're in the team shop, but if you're in your seats, it's kind of a free, not a free for all, but like you can kind of do what you want. The NFL is going to do whatever it can to get all 200 and, Let's see, adding on another 16. So let me do my math quickly. I believe it'd be 272 games this year. They want to get those all played. Mm-hmm. I don't think they want to get any. Can- they do not want to cancel any of those. And also, too, this year, they want to, I, they and I want three games on Thanksgiving and not two.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Right. And that's, I mean, that's the tough part, right? It's like, how do you, and first of all, you can't, you couldn't, I mean, you could say you got to wear it at all times when you're in the stadium, but you can't, like, police people when they're in the seats. So you just can't do that. There's nothing you can no. do about that. Like, but, you know, when they're in the concourse, you walk up, you walk by a square, hey, put your mask on, whatever, right? Like, the hard part is that people drink when they go there. So then the drinking starts and the masks, you know, slowly kind of come off because, ah, you know, whatever. So that's going to be a challenging part if, if there's a mask mandate, but it is what it is. I mean, look, at the end of the day, you just got to live with it. Whatever they whatever they decide is what they decide. And, you know, we're taking my kids to to a, a Broadway show um, in a few months and they're obviously not vaccinated then I don't have to get vaccinated. So they have to show up a, a, a negative test to get in, right? You have to either show proof of vaccination or a negative test to get in. And so it's one of those things where it's like, okay, you want to come in, that's okay, fine. You gotta get a test and, and and test negative to get in. And it's gotta be within like 72 hours or something like that. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, that's fine. You You have to do things. Because we have to protect the other people around us to get 60,000 people coming in the scene. We got to to protect all 60,000 people, you know? And so people aren't going to like it. They're not going to be happy with it. They're going to get hassled by it, you know, just like waiting to get on, waiting to get on a flight. But it's like, Hey, we got to do what we got to do, you know? And so, um, you know, it's just, unfortunately it just, it's kind of is what it is. Right. And that's, and that's kind of the way I look at it. And, And it's like, okay, if you're not happy with it, that's okay. That's all right. You can be upset about it, but there's just nothing you can do about it. You know?
0: No, 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 100%. Because, look, at the end of the day, it's all about not just player health and safety, but it's about the venue's health and safety because they don't want outbreaks coming from the stadium, no matter where it is, and especially too with all the uh, fans traveling. Um, Before before we wrap up today, there's actually one other point I wanted to make about the Patriots' schedule that kind of concerns me. And it's not the beginning of the year, it's the stretch from basically Thanksgiving onward because obviously Mm -hmm. there's the, or not even Thanksgiving, but the mid November because you have Cleveland. And then Atlanta on a short turnaround week. I know it's it's Atlanta. You and yeah, I always I still... talk fun at them. <laughs> They're a bit of a wild card this year because we don't know what to expect. And then you have Tennessee, the Buffalo Monday night game, which I have circled on my calendar, the Colts, the Bills again, and then you have the Jags and the Dolphins. We'll see. But it's that stretch from when they play Cleveland to when they play Buffalo mm-hmm. the day after Christmas, which I'm looking at the real make or break point for them for the season.
1: Absolutely. I mean, so you got Browns at home in Atlanta on thursday tennessee at home at buffalo like you said monday night in indy yep. buffalo at home and then you get the, you finish off with the jags and the, and the dolphins but like that's that stretch is brutal and, and the thing about the colts is that all oh, people could say oh you know carson went stinks and the colts are gonna be a good team they're gonna be a good team this year right and so the titans are gonna be a good team the browns are gonna be a good team the falcons We'll see, but like they at least are gonna have a high powered offense and a decent team. Colts are a good team, and the Bills are a good team. And you play the Bills twice in that stretch there with the Colts, Titans, and Browns mixed in. I mean, that's that's five very, very difficult games with you know, with the Falcons kind of mixed in there. So it is definitely a little concerning for me. When you start looking at that, saying like, "Oh my goodness, that's that's a rough stretch, right?" So, um, but at the same time, you kind of look at it and say, "Okay, like if they can get through that point, if they win four or you know four out of those five games or four of those six games, like that's a great time for them moving forward." The problem is, is that this might be a situation where you're elevated a little bit. If Tua struggles a little bit at the beginning of the year, you win that game. Then you play in the Jets. You really got to beat the Jets. Then you're playing Saints, maybe Jameis is their quarterback. Like should probably be should the Saints. be a win. Right. So now you're three and zero, And then Tampa comes in and like, look, I mean, hey, I think they like I think it's possible for them to beat Tampa. Especially with Brady coming back and everything, but like, man, I just don't know how Brady comes into Gillette and loses. I don't I don't know how that's possible. So like, yeah. you know, if you're looking at that it's a lot, but but they could be four and one after their first five games. And then you're talking about the Cowboys then the jets and the chargers and then the Panthers, like that's three out of four winnable games again. So now you're talking about, you could be six and two going into that stretch of, of six games. And that's a murder as well. So you can be six and two, like, all right, feeling good. Then you run into a buzzsaw with those, with those five out of six games and you could lose, you can go and six in that stretch. Right. And so like, that's going to be, that's going to decide the season to me. that yep. decides the whole season. Um, you know? And so, We'll we'll see what happens, but you're totally right. Like that, regardless of what your record is, like that's why you have to win those early games because with that stretch coming through, especially back to back to back to back to back like that, you're gonna have to win those early games to give yourself a little bit of a cushion to get into the playoffs. You know,
0: no one hundred percent because look, it could be 2019 all over again. Obviously, they started off eight and zero, right. I think it's Keegan that hated the boogeyman thing where they had the game against Cleveland. And then after that Cleveland game was kind of downhill oh, yeah, yeah. when we went to Baltimore. And then there was obviously a bunch of close games with involving like the bills, the Cowboys, the Eagles. And then from there, and then there was just a few other games, obviously the bad loss against Miami in week 17. Right. And then even I'm sure I think Cincinnati, they had the game against Cincinnati, which went well. And then there was a couple of the games, one of which I think I'm bl- blanking on, but
1: yeah, it was ugly though. It yeah, was ugly. Just, and that season was ugly.
0: It was an ugly, oh, the Kansas City game where uh, Nikhil's foot was not out of bounds. That's right. Um, But speaking of murderer's row, because there's one that I heard of today, and I had to look it up for myself, but the Colts to start off the year, versus Seattle, versus Rams, at Titans, at Dolphins, at Ravens, versus Texans, at 49ers, versus Titans. If you want to talk about a murderer's row to open the season, the Indianapolis Colts, like they're going to be a good team, but you get tested almost immediately.
1: Well, not just that, but if Sam Ellinger's is their starting quarterback week one and they don't have Quentin Nelson, yeah. I mean, that's going to be, that's going to be real tough. You know, and they say, Oh, you guys are trending to come back. But man, if you're, if you're missing your starting quarterback and, and like
0: impossible best to hard.
1: In your offense, probably like, you know, for the first two or three games, like that's own three with the type of with the type of talent you're playing. Right. So yeah. that's um that's awfully tough. I know the Texans are mixed in there, so who knows? But um, but still like that's that's a challenge. And then you get behind the eight ball like there's another there's an extra game now and an extra and an extra playoff spot. So you have there is definitely like some wiggle room there. But still, you you know, you lose enough games early on in the season and they're, in a, you know, they're in a fairly simple division. Where it's just them and the Titans. It's not really like they don't have to worry about the Jags.
0: It's not Uber competitive.
1: Yeah, they don't it's the Jags stink. Like I know, you know, they have Charlie Lawrence, but it's like, okay, right, they, like they're not good. Like we know that they're not gonna be good and that's okay. And then you have them and you have the the uh the Titans and then it's the Texans. And as I said, I'm gonna go under the assumption that the NFL does not let that comeback play. Um, especially now since the FBI might be looking into it like it's a whole thing. So I'm going to just go under the assumption that they're not going to let him play um, and then and kind of go from there. And if he doesn't play, they're screwed. They're going to be terrible this year. So, um, you know, so you got to rack up some wins against your divisional opponents just because they stink. But outside of that, they have a fairly tough schedule this year. So it's like, you know, they're going to have some tough games. And uh, especially in the beginning, like you said.
0: I also, I just also hope because there's one player on the Colts and it's Michael Pittman Jr. that I, I'm, 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 I'm high on going into this year. He's a player I expect to take a big second year leap. Yep. Uh, I'm a bit, of, I basically became a fan of his because of his YouTube content that he does. But for the most part, I see what kind of football player he is, and he's just yeah. one of those guys where I'm like, look, I, I want to see him do well. A guy that's not on my team, like that, 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 that's all I gotta say. And then with the Titans too, I feel like everyone's kind of overrating them in a way where they expect them to be this amazing team, which I think they will be, but I don't trust their defense. That's, that's just the thing with me with them.
1: Yeah, no. And that's, and I think that's valid, right? I think that's valid. They haven't really necessarily done anything where, you, where you're where you like, Oh my God, this guy's great. So, um, but at the, at the, at the same time, like I feel like they're a pretty solid team. Um, and so, you know, are they going to win the Super Bowl this year? Like, eh, probably not, but I think they're going to be pretty competitive. And so, um, you know, so we'll see. I like Tanhill a lot this year. I think he's a good player. Um, you know, Derek Henry obviously is Derek Henry. Like he's a he's a monster. So, um, but it is going to be interesting to kind of see what they do. They they pick up Julio, which if he can stay healthy, I mean, think about it this way: like if Julio's getting double teamed, you can't double team AJ Brown. Now it's like okay, now what do we do? Like we're in trouble, you know. So now you get Julio and AJ Brown with Derek Henry in the backfield. That's that's tough.
0: I have a great fantasy addition for that. Anthony Furkser. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you right now, Anthony Ferkser is a player you should be contacting. I also think they got uh, I'm, no, no, he's on the football team. Never mind. I was gonna say Adam Humphries. I thought he was still there, but then uh oh, yeah, Humphreys he's, is on, he's Humphreys awesome. on Washington. But no, yep. Anthony Furkser is someone that you could look at for those options when Brown because you could have those moments if Brown's double team, Julio's double team, Ferkser's gonna be there, like Hi, hi yep. everybody. Hi, yeah, it's who's me. Him? Throw me the ball. The like, you the know,
1: slow middle linebackers covering him, right
0: yeah, exactly. and then you' just got to get over the flat and then you're good to go right. yeah,
1: but um a lot of guys like that, man. a lot of guys like that where it's like, you know, by the way, you mentioned Pittman, I love Pittman this year. like yeah. there's another guy like to me, that's those guys that like, you know, not that I don't want to get too far on draft strategy, but like not that not that you should wait on drafting a wide receiver, but like I feel like you kind of need to wait on drafting a wide receiver because there's so much depth at wide receiver. And there's not a ton of depth at running back. Like I look at the top running backs. And I'm like, okay, you know, there are the guys that are there. If you're in the first round, you don't take a running back. Now, when it comes back to you in the second round, it's kind of like, well, now you have to take a running back. And yeah, I'm not sure who's going to be there. Like there's question marks as to who you're going to be able to get, you know? And so, of course, there's going to be question marks. Like, do you love Zeke? Do you love that guy? Like, I don't know if I love Zeke this year, but like, do I take Zeke over a guy like AJ Brown? absolutely like the the problem is, or Tyreek Hill like okay maybe t- you know Devonte and Tyreek are, I guess are your first or your two first round wide receivers right yeah but like so do you take Tyreek over Zeke and it's like well then if you do then what do you get when you get back to the second round Say so you're drafting six overall in a 12-team league now what happens when it comes back to you right now you're like okay now I took Tyreek in the first round but now who's available at running back right like Am I going to get a guy like Aaron Jones? I don't know. Maybe, but maybe not, you know, like, and so that's, so then that becomes the problem where it's like, now you're chasing running backs when there's no depth there, you know? So it's, uh, it's, it's always challenging, but it's, it's almost like you try to draft the running backs first, unless you know, you're drafting at the end of the first round and it's like, okay, I'm drafting pick eight and Devontae Adams is still there. It's like, well, that's stupid. Like, of course, you know, so you kind of let the draft fall to you, I guess, but Man, going running back early is is important because there are guys like, there are guys like Pittman who's going in like the twelfth, thirteenth round that you can draft that no one's really considering is going to be good. And meanwhile, they don't really have another wide. I know they have T.Y. Hilton there still, but like, he's not going to put up big numbers. Like, I think Pittman's going to have a good year. So, you know, we'll see. But, but I just think that that's a guy you should be targeting late, late in the draft, and and you know, kind of go after some of those wide receiver flyers. You know.
0: Exactly. Because even too, like with them, like you have him, uh Pascal could be another option depending on uh, how will they how they use him. And then if you yep. can say healthy Paris is another weapon to look at, but no, there's those guys that you always have to look at later on. And I feel like everyone thinks it's the stars you have to draft in fantasy football to win when in reality, look, you gotta build your bench and you gotta play the waiver wire. Cause drafts are never or excuse me, leagues are never won on draft night. Leagues are won through the waiver wire.
1: Very true. And also, this here's the other part about it. You don't have to draft sexy guys. You don't have to do it right. A guy, perfect example is Juju. Juju is the perfect example. People don't like Juju because he's not a number one receiver. He's this. He's that. Oh, he dropped a third, etc. The, the guy caught ninety five passes last year. Caught ninety five passes last year. Yeah. You're telling me that guy in a half point PPR league isn't going to win you some games because you drafted him in the sixth round? I mean, like if you're getting a wide receivers getting catch ninety nine passes and he caught like twelve touchdowns last year too, so you're getting a guy that's going to catch another 80 to 90 catches this year and probably catch eight to nine touchdowns again this year. Why the hell wouldn't you draft that guy in the sixth round? Like, yeah, he might not be, okay, maybe he doesn't have wide receiver one potential. So what if he's a wide receiver two for you, like in the sixth, seventh round, that's what you're targeting. Like that's exactly what you want in that spot, right? So to me, it's like, don't overlook some of those guys that, People kind of talk crap about them because they're like, oh, well, he's limited or he's capped and I like Deontay better. And it's fine. Deontay's going in the, in the third, fourth round. Like, you're not going to get him early. I'd rather take Juju in the sixth or seventh round over Deontay in the third or fourth round. That's just me. But that's like, that's the way I look at it. Because it's like, you know, I, I think the value of some of those guys drops because people are like, eh, he's not a number one receiver. So, like, we don't need him. But he's going to put up a ton of numbers. So, it's like, sure, I'll take that guy, you know?
0: No, exactly. one One hundred percent. you, you are- too. Yeah, that's the other thing, too, to watch out for one's contract year. Some guys tend to show up a little bit more because, look, they want to get that bag next March, which I don't even want to think about that. That is seven <laughs> months away. I don't want to think about March where it's August. I know, obviously, kids go back to school in a few weeks, but you know what? When they go back is when football season happens, and right. that's when my I told my girlfriend Sundays are for Red Zone and the Patriots, and All I'll right. be here with my new Starbucks cup that uh, my has got. A little Patriots logo right there in the Starbucks. It says, it says "Patriots" right here instead of Starbucks, and it's got my name on the back. So I'll be awesome. But some kind of liquid in here, maybe water, maybe not. But um, for the most part, no. It was a uh, it was a blast getting to chat with you again, Pat. As we yeah, uh, of course, kick off the 100s of the episodes, I can't even believe I'm saying that. What So This was this was my 100 cool. 101st episode. I think one of the first times you were on was in the. Think in the 30s or the 40s, and in just over a year, I've just been—it's great. Just been grinding, just been kind of doing my thing. So, yeah. you know what, guys? Here's to the next 100 episodes. That's right. You know what? That is—it's 100 percent, right. Like you said, but anyway, it was a blast getting to chat with you, Pat. If you folks want to find him on Twitter, it's at p under uh, p lane underscore Pat's, I believe. That's right. Or search Pat Lane. I'll have him tagged in the episodes if you want to follow him. But anyway, guys, thank you very much for listening to episode 101 of YWC Football Talk. As the football season is here in just under three weeks, yep. we're so close. Like we can we taste are. it at this point.
1: We're there. Hey, listen, there's live football games on TV, so I think it's football season already.
0: <laughs> you know what? It's like Trey. I heard Trey Wingle say in an interview one time, "Football season is never in an off season. They're always just in different parts." And right now is they're in the preseason, but they're slowly getting towards the regular season because there's right. two more preseason games, and then the fun begins. That's right. All right, well, anyway, folks, hope you enjoyed episode 101. Enjoy the rest of your day, and whenever time you listen to this, have a good night.
1: Hi, I'm Logan
0: Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon.